for real. Oh, really? That's how you feel. And the guys are like, asking all them questions. Asking all them questions. Why you asking all them questions? How was your day? Welcome to the Misinterpreted Podcast. As always, the one and only Ryan Eldridge to my side. I'm Taylor Lundquist. Uh, Ryan, I have a quick question for you before we get into things. Well, this was not on the script. It was not on the script. Um, what are your thoughts on coaches, like professional coaches? I get it if not in the NFL, but let's say NBA, not wearing suit and ties anymore. I think it's fine. I just think you have to be professional in some way, but I think like you can go as far down as a tracksuit or just like even a shirt. Ooh, a tracksuit. Well, oh, that, that's a on so- the sideline. That's the soccer fan in me that wants to do the tracksuit. But I think suit and tie is a little bit, it's a little bit outdated, and, and people are seeing that suit and tie doesn't mean success. Right. I, and I, I know and it I doesn't. Like, I don't. I know it doesn't mean success, but I kind of like the look of it. Give me, give me you, suit you're, no you're, tie. You, give me suit no tie. You are a very proper guy, so we're gonna have very opposite ends of the spectrum here. Because if you were given the chance, you would wear a three piece suit to work every day. Versus, I that I is probably would. That, would, that probably is maybe like, yeah. a once a year thing for me at the maximum. Fair enough. And, I mean, I am wearing a collared shirt on a random Tuesday. Yeah, I'm not wearing a t-shirt under my Patagonia, <laughs> actually. <laughs> that so. is very soccer coach yeah. of you. That is, manager, sorry, manager, manager, managers, manager, managers. Yes. Uh, but I think baseball got to wear the got to wear the baseball pants. I mean, well, that's that, an that, absolute that's must. A I got kicked out of a JV game because I was I was wearing sweatpants coaching uh, first Serious? base. Yeah. Like junior year, I came by to see a game. I'm like, and and I think our JV team at that point was just Alex Gallant, who was the head coach. He's like, yeah, just go 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 to first. And then I got kicked out of the game by the umpire. I'm like, you loser, come on, let me wow. have my fun. Is that the only ejection you've ever had in your life? Yeah, not the only rejection though. Hey now, yeah. hey now. Yeah, you gotta you gotta take shots <laughs> to make shots. <laughs> that, that's for sure. Uh, okay, Ryan. Uh, the the other uh, part that we did have scripted. Well, not the actual dialogue, but the topico. Um, what do you think is the most mental sport, I- like ever? Yes, I'm going to take credit for this question. Yeah, please. And I'm going to, I'm going to boil it down to three possibilities, which is golf, boxing, or martial arts, and we'll add chess in there for a little bit of a wild card. Okay. Um, I think when you boil it down, I don't think chess can be with golf and boxing because at the end of the day chess is a sort of made up sport or made up game made up sport with made up rules so is and, everything no well well i think things like golf and boxing when we talk about the mental pressure that is applied to it i think that a lot of those you can take all the way back to our ancestors when they were hunter gatherers Right, so boxing is a very easy example of it which is a pseudo fighting for survival sport and then golf is another one which is being is staying composed in high pressure situations which i'm sure our hunter gatherer ancestor had to do as well um you know our ancestors weren't worried about you know our queen being forked <laughs> Fair. <laughs> by night right Fair. so i think we're gonna have to take chess out of that equation and no disrespect to these chess players and and actually what's really interesting too on a, on a tangent here is that chess players actually and they'll admit to this aren't the most intelligent people. They no, are, I mean, I think a, they like are, a they whole are, bunch of it is just memorization. They are very intelligent at their one thing, and this goes for 
all disciplines, but a lot of them, including Magnus, I remember him saying this in an interview, which is he, he, he admitted he's not the smartest guy at math, at science, at, at things which you think that being good at chess would, would translate to in, in these professions. No disrespect to him, but back on topic, golf and boxing. Boxing, we're talking about a... Like I said, you, you're getting in the ring with someone. It's one-on-one, hand-to-hand combat. When you get in that ring, get in that, that cage, you're, you're, you're signing a contract saying that you could potentially die in that fight. And it's happened before. So I think that at the most basic level goes to our most primal instincts. But I think golf also has so much pressure. The amount of time in between shots, in between holes, in between the, you know, the four different days that you do have to play if you do end up winning is also huge as well. I'm biased. I'm going to have to say boxing for me, but I could go either way. What are your thoughts? So first I want to give you the reason why I rule out chess, and that is because there is a finite number of things that could happen. Although it is a, an incredibly large number, everything has been done before in that game, and that's why I don't think it's as mental because when it comes to golf and, and any martial arts – is you never know what's going to happen. Like, anything could happen on any given day. A shot could go anywhere. You know, any fight could go whatever way. Like, you never know what punch is coming. You never know what shot you're going to hit, what kind of kick you're going to get. I was I was trying to come up with reasonings for golf, saying, like, oh, you just see so much failure. But at the same time, when you're in between the ropes, like, failure is getting... Punched in the face. Yeah, failure, so. failure is like the worst possible failure in any sport. Right. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. I also, I, I will say golf though, because you're going golf with your answer. I'm, I'm, I'm taking golf as my answer. A lot of the reason being that there's so much time in between shots, and you have to stay locked in for four, four and a half, maybe even five hours about every little thing that's going on. And that takes so much mental strain where in boxing, like all credit to them, it is just completely intensified into what could last as long as what, 20 minutes. Right. So I, I understand that a lot, a lot goes into it and there's a ton of mental training. And I, I just think like big, you know, uh, uh, what is it? Time under tension, big time under tension kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to go with golf here just because of the, the length of strain that, that the brain has. Everybody that says golf isn't a sport just through their headphones across their room. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will, I will say one thing though about golf is I've, I've been listening to a lot of like sports psychologists recently and what they've changed in golf is, um, a lot of the time, I don't know about a lot of the time, but the the, tra- the trajectory is sports psychologists are saying to these golfers, in between every shot or at least in between every hole, mentally check out. Like, go have a conversation. Like, tell a joke, whatever it is. And it's like, take your mind off Take of your mind golf. off it because the, four and a half hours, putting your mind through complete strain, is impossible to continue for, as you mentioned, four long, brutal days. Right, right. I think 14 holes is the perfect amount of holes for a I think so. Like 13, 14 holes yeah. to get me out of there. I, get I, me a honestly, I, I'm pretty good. I'm like, 
maybe five, six over on a really good day through 14, those, those last three or four holes, you know, double bogey, triple bogey, you just lose. You just, you just want to get to your car. You want to go to the bar. Yeah. The problem with me is uh sports psychologist would be like, yeah, check out in between every shot. I'd be like, I'm checking out every shot. <laughs> like, I'm not even thinking yeah. of the shot. <laughs> you said between shots. I thought you said during shots. I'm locked in, in between every single <laughs> shot. But when I'm up to the ball, I've got nothing going through my head. Right. But, that, I mean, yeah, I, I would say golf just because. I'll end it on one last thing, and, you know, you don't need to refute me on this or have a counter-argument, but I think boxing, we talk about everything in the ring, but I think outside the ring is also incredibly difficult when we talk about the preparation. We Johnny, our Uber driver, when we were in Vegas, and he seemed like a really sus guy, so I don't know if I truly <laughs> believed everything that he was saying, but these UFC fighters as Johnny says, have to be in their hotel rooms or training a month before their fights, you know, to get drug tested, to make sure that they aren't ruining the UFC's reputation. We talk about even outside of being in that hotel room the the month before a fight. We're talking about a long training camp where you're like Triple G goes to a secluded cabin in the woods and cooks his own food, does 10 miles of uphill running a day. So those are some factors that I think would sway it into boxing. So I think we are in agreement that boxing is a more cerebral sport. Moving on. Whoa! <laughs> okay, one final thing I will tell you is all that preparation that you talked about, I think that's majority physical. All the examples that you gave are, are, are majority physical. I understand that it's, it's, a, it, it's a lot on yourself and your mind to be kind of on your own, but a lot of that is the decision of the fighter. Okay, moving on. Thank you very much. You uh, you will not get me to agree with you on boxing for that answer. Um, okay, we got, we got the clip. We got the clip. <laughs> we, got, we got the clip of you both, saying that I agree with we you. Both, we both and have not access my to the Instagram. We both have access to the Instagram. Fair we enough. Both, but, hey, I'm the editor. We can both post. <laughs> we can both post and delete posts. <laughs> moving on to March Madness. It's that time of the year. Is March the best month for sports? One hundred percent. Well, okay. It's like the. It's it's. It's the second week of March into, like, through Easter. Because Easter is, I mean, Easter Sunday, at least this year, is, is Masters. Final round of the Masters. Okay. You just can't beat it. You, Jim the, Nance. The, the, golf, Jim the Nance. golf haters once again threw their headphones across the room. That's how you know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> We're two for two so far. But Jim Nance has the best job in the entire world. He like Seeing his workload between March and April made me want to be a broadcaster because he does the whole uh, March Madness tournament, all, the whole NCAA tournament, and then the weekend he calls the Final Four, and it happens to be in his hometown of Houston, Texas this year. And then the week after, he goes right to Augusta, Georgia, and calls the Masters. How hard is it to be like a guy like Jim Nance and be able to go from different sports like that? I actually don't think it's too hard to go from sport to sport, uh, just from a general standpoint. But to have the kind of knowledge and inside information that he has on absolutely everything takes immense research and, and an incredible amount of hours. I've... I've so much respect for everything that he puts in. I'm sure he has some team, but at the end of the day, all all the work that goes into it is his, and that's so right, so impressive. Right. Is that is that a big reason why you have a color guy? Excuse me, analyst. Yes, analyst. Analyst definitely by analyst. His side because you got a guy like Jim Nance who's doing three, four, five different sports at a time. You got to have someone that's an expert on it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah I mean, you really have to because you can't expect a play by play guy to have 
played at a high level of any given sport. But, I mean, that's why you get analysts that – that's why most analysts that you see are either former coaches at the highest level or former players. Former players. Yeah. Yep. And it just it just adds so much more because they can get inside the player and the coach's mind. Uh, I'm still a big fan of the so- soccer way of doing it because the analyst is most of the times a former player. But they just do not talk about the game at all. They're just reacting to goals. They're grilling. The, <laughs> yeah. They're grilling the players that they used to play against. <laughs> that, that's just, how just, I called soccer, English, but yeah. I knew nothing about it. Yeah, it's like English banter. Yeah, yeah. That's how the Europeans do it. It's that's kind of a move. Yeah. Kind of a move. Like I don't want to know what play they're running. I just want to get. Ah! <laughs> uh, would you agree with me that some of the best calls ever are soccer? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. One hundred percent, and uh, and the uh, Japan walk off against Mexico in the WBC semifinal. Oh, the Japanese, the that Japanese was, did get it. Oh my gosh, that was a lot. I, I would argue that maybe American broadcasters are they are very good, but I would say are the least hype because we look at you look I, at no one hundred percent. You look at NFL games. You know, you have a Mexican broadcaster doing like the New England Patriots versus the New York Jets, and they'll be going off for touchdowns. And then the American broadcaster who's born and raised in Boston would be like, Tom Brady throws yet another <laughs> touchdown. I, th- I think you see that a lot of the time, but I'll give you two names that are probably the most well-loved people in broadcasting. That's Gus Johnson and Kevin Harlan. The reason they love them and is Mike because they, they go nuts. Not going to add Mike Benton to that list? Un- unfortunately, I don't know if I can to like the, the S tier of broadcasters. Gus Johnson, Kevin Harlan go go nuts. And I just think that's why they're so liked. And, like, everyone loves listening to college football with Gus Johnson on the call. Yeah, yeah. Everyone Without loves it. Without a doubt. Yeah. So, I mean, there's nothing he, better he's than He's one that, of the but. few broadcasters that I actually know when I listen to his voice when I watch college football. Right. Other than, like, yeah. I right. can recognize maybe the voice of yeah. other people. I, don't, I can't associate a name or face to it. Yeah, fair. I, I get that. Yeah. Uh, but Kevin Harlan's the other one, and he has been doing a magnificent job uh, in March Madness so far. He's called a couple great ones. Uh, he did not have the pleasure of seeing that Princeton journey so far. Um, what a story that has been. I mean, everyone talks about Princeton basketball like white boy basketball. Like, you just play fundamental basketball. Right. But it works. <laughs> like it works, and it, that's why they beat these unbelievably talented athletic teams. Is they're just smart. They're just really, really smart and play fundamental basketball. Maybe that outs me as a white basketball player. But uh, here we are. <laughs> All the fundamentals. Here we Shout are. Out the Overlake School. I um, mean, it's so fun to have a 15 seed do it. Right. Like, right. Who doesn't love to see it? Well, we, we've seen this in the past. In, in recent years, right, where we, we saw two uh, the first two 16 seeds to win their game in the past, I want to say, seven years, maybe. Yep. It's certainly About been there. the last decade. In the last three years, we've seen a 15 seed in each year make it to the Sweet 16. And I think a lot of this is, and, and you're the college basketball expert here, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like a lot of this is with that one-and-done policy. We're seeing a lot of these top teams have to replace all their star players year in and year out and, and constantly recruit new guys, new studs that are able to take them to the highest level. And you know, a lot of these small teams like a St. Peter's, like an Oral Roberts um, this year at Princeton are able to have starters that have played together for two, three, four years and able to build. And we talk about this when we call um, high school basketball games is the ability to play with each other and in the same system throughout a number of years. I think that gap between 
mid-major teams and those top blue chip teams is in getting consistently smaller. And I, I'm curious, once that draft age gets down to 18 for the NBA, how that you know influences that gap as well? Does it get smaller? Does it get bigger because the people that will go to college are committing for three, four years? Who knows? I The biggest reason why you're seeing so much parity this year and the last few years is because of the extra years of eligibility. Because some of these mid-majors, like if you look at a team, uh, who am I thinking of? Like even Fairleigh Dickinson, right? Fairleigh Dickinson is a 16 seed, but their average age is like 21 and a half, 22 years old. And they have a couple 24-year-olds on the team. And you're facing uh, like a team that's typically like Duke, you know, super young, really talented freshman, but their starting point guard is the oldest in their starting five, and he's a sophomore, right? At the age of 22, 23, 24, no matter how talented you are, you are going to be the best basketball player that you have ever been. And you are going to be stronger than you have ever been because you've been in a college weight room for three, four, five, six years. It's just different. And that's 18-year-olds. Yes, super talented 18-year-olds. But 18-year-olds, they don't have all their man muscles. That's a real thing. It's absolutely a real thing. And they don't have experience playing at that level either. Yeah, you have 30 games throughout a regular season, but that's not going to prepare you for in going deep into a tournament to face these teams who do have more experience than you, more years under their belt, and just they're stronger and smarter and more experienced. And that's why a team like Fairleigh Dickinson, who has, I believe, three grad transfers on their team that are all 23, 24 years old, that's why they can go out and knock off a team like Purdue, who has two freshmen at their starting one and two guard, and then one big guy. That's how they do it. Right. Because, I mean... The older you get, the stronger you get, the smarter you get, and the better you get. Right. And and there there's no there's no comparison to being older and stronger and better than an eighteen year old. It's just a huge difference. So you think in two three years when these COVID eligibility um, years kind of disappear, do you think that parity becomes wider? That gap becomes wider. I do, do think you. Think you it goes I do. Back th- to I the do. Norm? I do. Uh, at least a little bit. I think there's going to be a little bit of regression back to the mean, but like at the same time, NIL is still getting bigger and bigger. Right. And like we were just talking to a, a guy earlier that was saying, you know, team like Power Five teams or like the lower Power Five teams are starting to introduce like NIL minimums right. for guys to stay, and that's going to go to everyone on the roster. And, and that's that's huge. Right. Like teams are like every school, every institution is going to start. Like all of their development hours and all of their fundraising is going to go towards, you know, what can we give these players to have them come to our school? Obviously, they do that now, but it's going to be so much added on uh, in the coming years, especially once that eligibility runs out. And in two, three years, once that eligibility runs out, and we start, you know, seeing the normal for eligibility years, we will probably see that draft age go down to 18 for the NBA. How do you think that changes it? I think you're actually going to see fewer kids go out of high school than you expect. I think you're going to see kids like Scoot Henderson this past year, who's already a man. Like, 
eighteen year old oh he is look, jacked. looks like looks he like is, a twenty six so year old LeBron. Yeah. And like the top of the top are gonna go. But there are so many others who I think are going to start realizing like, hey, I I can't compete with these guys right now. And I could just instead of playing in the G League for eighty thousand a year, if I'm good enough and I'm a blue chip recruit, I can go somewhere and get more. Right. And then I could make a name for myself, play at a high level, make it deep into the NCAA tournament and and turn it around into draft stock. You think they'll go one and done, or do you think they'll stay for a couple years? I think the stupid ones go one and done. Shout out Ben Simmons. Shout out Ben Simmons. Honestly, like, if you're getting bank at school, like, go get an go get an easy major. Oh, get I, it, I, get thought, a, I thought you were talking about academically because Ben Simmons. Remember, he couldn't even get a two zero after his oh. basketball. Um, no, I I'm, I don't mean like. Classroom stupid ones. Right, right, right. I mean, the amount of money you make in college now is more than a rookie contract. Yeah, especially yeah. if you're that guy. Yeah, if you're a blue, it's, if it's you're a four, five, five star, six times more than you make it in a rookie contract. I don't know about that much, but and f- I, I'm, I'm comparing football, football and I fair. So, yeah, 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 different sports. Yeah, but I mean basketball, you're easily making more than a G League minimum, right? For sure. Easily. Yeah. So I I don't know why you don't go like get a degree, like a two year degree or something. Because most universities have that option. Why not get a two-year degree, make bank, and then go get go make more bank when you're right. bigger, better, and stronger? Invest that money in the stock market. Honestly! Passive income. Passive income! We should doubling be, period. Doubling <laughs> we, period. We should become an investor podcast. We should, I, we should I, be a hustle, hustle I podcast. I spent all my money. <laughs> I spent all my money in Bitcoin. All of it. Hell yeah. I went up, saw the dip coming, got out. I'm plus two thousand percent. Listen, listen, the other day I threw ten thousand dollars in the fireplace, just so I could be motivated to make that back and more. Yes, that's that's how it works. You got to burn money to make money. Real estate, vending machines, laundromats, you name it. Yes, laundering services. Buy my course. Buy it. Anyway, I'm t- hey, if you want to learn how to make real money, you get on your second NFL contract. And free agency right now has been wild. Talk about a guy that got paid on his second contract, Daniel Jones. Are you kidding me? Big money for the big man, Danny Dines. Yeah, I don't know if he's worth $40 million. He's like that. Okay. He's be, like that. Be, be honest with yourself. $40 million. And over the last 10 years, no one with more... I think this. I should have looked up this stuff before. But no one with a cap hit of more than $20 million outside of Patrick Mahomes... Has won a Super Bowl. Whoa. And he's certainly not a guy that you can justify $40 million for, given that stat, in my opinion. Given that stat, sure. I, If I'm being completely objective, as much as I love the guy, I, I, I think I'm going to lose, think... lose our bet. Um, from five years ago. Yeah, damn right you are. You're damn right you I are. I gave you the chance to cash out. I thought you were going to take it. Nah. You stuck by your guns. Yeah. I kind of. I, I still. Need that I cash. still. I still don't think. <laughs> I still don't think it's 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 because of him though. He has a great team around him, but he's oh one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean Brian Dable and, and that, that and was part has of, developed a defense. Yeah, that was you know? that was the part of the part of the gamble that I took. Um, but like you were saying, I as much as I like the guy, completely objectively, I think he's a eighteen million a year guy. 
Like that, yeah, that's, that's still that's, upper that's, echelon. That sounds, that sounds about, that's, like that's a, still upper echelon. That's a top 10 QB yeah. range. I think that's fine. But 40 for young, puts him in the for, top yeah. four paid, to whatever it is. He's, he's up there. That's... He's up there. I love the guy. I think he's a great playmaker. I think he's a really smart guy, and he's going to invest a lot of that money. But I don't think advisor. I don't think paying him forty million a year. How many is that a game? That's more than. That's more than that's more than two million a game. Yeah, that's that's like two and a half million a game. That's insane. Yeah, that's insane. That's insane. And yeah, use that money on your defense. Once you once you say it like that, that's crazy. Yeah, that you go out there for. Three hours, and you make three hours a, seventeen times. Make two and a half million for each three-hour window, once a week. Eighty-one hours, let's say. What's what's two point five million divided by eighty-one? Let's look this up. I I, I I'm typically good at do. mental math, but eighty-one's a tough. What do they call that? The the bottom of the ne- what, negotiate negotiate no no denominator. Are you trying to find dollars per hour? Dollars per hour. Like what's his what's okay, his yeah, hourly he's making, wage? He's making like eight hundred grand per hour. <laughs> <laughs> and half of that he's sitting on, he's sitting on the sidelines for half that time too. Oh my gosh, that's absurd. Yeah. So it's more like one point six million if you cut that in half. You talk about one and a half hours of on time. What's on the what's time. the average number of snaps, like per game? How many how many plays is an and offense this running? Is that podcast? like fifty? Yeah, like 50 so snaps 50 a game snaps. for an offense? Yeah. No, it's more than that. It's like 65, I think. I think it's like 60, 65. Okay. You can take that. I'll take 65. That's, that's yeah, that's, that's like a, crazy. Like 10, 20 grand a snap, maybe. Something At like least. That. Yeah. That, that's wild. Anytime the ball touches his hands, he's making 20 yeah. grand. Anyway, At least. Yeah, misinterpreted, prepared as always. I did not like you going to the NFL so quickly because we just skipped over one of the best tournaments in the entire calendar. You know, I year. sensed a segue and I took you it. You took it, you know, and we'll get better with this over time. We talk about Princeton, the darling of America, and I think all of America would agree that they would love to see a bunch of pre-med students and physics majors <laughs> <laughs> make it big. Another yep. big team this year, four seed UConn. Go out and tell you. I just think they got it. I think there are two teams that are not a one or a two seed. I think if you look at the four top teams that could win it, it's UCLA, uh, Alabama, Texas, and Houston. Those are the top four teams. I don't think any of them win. I really don't. I think the two teams that will win this are either UConn or Arkansas. I love the way Arkansas is playing. They are an extremely talented team. They have a coach who is absolutely out of his mind. They knock off Kansas. He rips his shirt off on top of the scorer's table in front of the crowd with his wife front row. Love it, first off. He's absolutely out of his mind. Puts everything into the game. And they're just playing at such a high level, plus they have two top ten picks in their in their starting five. And they're playing well at the right time. I think their defense is stingy. Uh, they've got the kid with alopecia. Wish I knew his name so I didn't have to call him that. But he's an ins- incredible defender. Um, so I love Arkansas. And then UConn has just had the makings of a tournament team the entire season. And they have that culture. Like, they've been there before. Oh, yeah. they Like, that... Maybe not the players on that roster, but that locker room has experience. Yep. And, I mean, it's it's instilled in the program. Like, obviously, you know that... Like culture and and legacy doesn't 
Like, legacy, I will say. Culture gets you far in a tournament, but legacy does not. Legacy does not. But if there's carryover and and belief in a culture, that does. And I think that I think that I think UConn's I think got that. Yeah. And they've got the Cinderella mojo too. It's like it's like Alabama in football. It's like even despite it doesn't matter who you put out on that field, those players, whoever's coaching, whether it be Saban or someone else in the future, would be like, Hey, we're Alabama. We we have to be beating the team that's in front of us. It doesn't matter who's on the field. Right. We beat the team in front of us because we are Alabama. We talk about Alabama, you know, they had a subpar season. Let's talk about two teams in March Madness that did not make it as far as they wanted to. Muffed it. Talk about Kansas and Purdue. Kansas, this is the sixth straight defending champion that hasn't made it to the Sweet 16. Thoughts that is, on that, that is a wild stat. And, and why is that? Because at that point, that's statistically significant. Right. I mean, it is a one. Yeah. It's a one-game thing, but you would think six years that would happen. Why? You have any thoughts about that? Well, first off, it really frustrates me that I always forget. I like I see these stats and then I forget about them when I'm making my bracket. I but really Kansas also me looks off. good. Even if I knew, no, that you're stat, absolutely right. Yeah, I, I would have them. You're like, going there's no way past right? Arkansas, right? It's like I don't know. Such a well-rounded team. And I don't know Grady what it Dick, is. He's my guy. He has my to boy. be. Yeah, I mean, absolute backpack. Like, he's got a strap. Yeah, he's right there. Uh, but no, I don't. I I think sp- I don't know what the the hangover effect is because you're so deep in the season. Like you've proved it time after time after time throughout the season. But I think specifically for this year, Kansas didn't have Bill Self on the sideline. That's right. I mean, talk about culture. Like he right, is. Right, right. He is the patriarch of that culture. He is Kansas. Yes. He's Kansas, he Kansas basketball. So not having him, I think, is the reason that Kansas didn't make it. It would be really interesting to see, like, if there were any special circumstances uh, for the la- the the five defending champs before them not to make it to this place. Right. It'd be really interesting. I feel like there's got to be something. Right, like you or, could or argue the they lose they players face in the just draft, shoots like sixty percent yeah. from the field. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, you, you could argue that they lose players in the draft. I don't think that was the case for Kansas this year, though. Like they lost. I mean, they lost Oshai Abaji. They lost but one guy, but you, they just they reloaded, and they yeah. still had veterans coming up. Like they had freshmen playing in last year's on last year's team. Like, and, and they're sophomores now. They've been through the whole thing, and then they've got stud phenom freshmen, good posts, and like that's typically like. My my prototype for a national champion is veteran posts, and or sorry, no veteran guards, one flashy phenom, like one freshman, like a lottery pick, right? One lottery pick phenom, and then post game, right? Obviously, it's asking for a lot. Yeah, like, that's, that's your thirty five right it's, it's, there. It's asking your top five players to all be studs. <laughs> but but like that's what Kansas had. That's what Kansas had. And, right. and looking at him, you would think that Purdue had a very different makeup, though. If you're looking at another team that didn't live up to expectations, right. clearly yours, your national yeah. championship winner. Yeah, I, yeah. this is your time to grill me because I had Purdue and Indiana in my national championship. Brutal. Yeah. brutal. And I thought I was going to be here in the seat grilling you because... You March- can still go after me, but my national champion is still there. Yeah. The, the thing with March Madness is it, it stays true to its name, right? It truly is a madness. And mm-hmm. for me, I feel like I actually have some pretty good brackets throughout the years because I just flip a coin pretty much, um, you know, 
some some days or some years it lands heads, some years it lands tails. Sometimes I guess wrong. This year it feels like it landed on its side. Yeah, it was stage. just straight yeah, up. It's right. just like no one could pre- predict it. Well, I wa- I watched you fill out your bracket in probably ninety seconds. You were like, yeah, feel good, feel good, feel good. It's, it's yeah, 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 yeah. It's all vibes. It's all at vibes. the end of the day. Absolutely. But anyway, Purdue was a team that spent the most time at number one mm-hmm. throughout this year. And I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like most teams honestly were still doubting them going into this tournament, and those doubters were proven tremendously right. They got beat by Fairleigh Dickinson University. I don't, I don't even know where I thought they were in the South. Oh uh, no, when, New Jersey. Yeah. I thought they were in the South when I heard that name. It's like these guys from Louisiana, Louisiana, <laughs> Fairleigh Dickinson, guys from Louisiana taking it on. It's gotta these, be taking on these Boilermakers. You know, it's a commuter school. Yeah, no, they they have like it's hilarious. They have like no dorms. There there was a video on Barstool where. Uh, the caption says "Fairly Dick- Dickinson getting lit," and it was just empty. At the <laughs> no lights were no on; just streetlights. <laughs> lights are on. Literally, no one's home. Right. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if you look at that makeup, Purdue. I mentioned it earlier. Just two freshman guards. It just won't get you far. It just won't. Bottom right. line. I didn't know that. I just saw that they were number one. I'm like, I could have told go. you. You could have consulted your analyst. I did. You did. I don't know. I don't well, think I, you I ever ask, asked me about that. I'm, I'm more actually like, do you think this is good? And you just said, yeah. You said yes to everything. You didn't, you didn't, you know, push back on any single one of my picks, which if, is fine. If I did, you probably wouldn't have listened to me. You probably would have <laughs> wanted you to make that pick even more. True, 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 true. <laughs> I feel like. Don't come at me. You know you like being my anti. Yeah, mo- mo- most years that would be the right play to do. This year, yeah. like I said, the coin landed on the side. But um, I mean, it, at the same time, the Big Ten has been absolutely atrocious. In the in March Madness for each of the last five years that I can remember off the top of my head, like Illinois with Kofi Coburn and and they had a couple other I don't know who who it was uh, they had a couple really good guards but a couple years ago they were the number one seed and yeah. just flopped. Yeah. The Big Ten does not produce quality teams down the stretch. Did, this year it's been the SEC and the Big Twelve. Do you think part of that with the Big Ten is because that it it is. Like the parity in that conference is so small that they're constantly playing competitive games, and you think that takes a toll going into March? No, I just i I think that i I think there's better teams top to bottom in both the Big Twelve and the SEC. I think that helps teams down the stretch. I don't think the Big Ten has that. But I, yep. I I just think yep. the Big Ten is flat out a worse conference. Sure. In basketball, yeah, I, I, I'm not the expert on this. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dig my own grave here. I want to look at, yeah, let me bring up their standings really quick. Yeah, they had Minnesota and Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Nebraska all under ten conference wins. Yeah, but no, we're, no, we're, Minnesota we're, was two and seventeen in the Big Ten. Okay, I may have been mistaken. I thought Ohio State was a quality team despite the wins. Like they could go out and beat a team, sure, because that's because every other team in the conference was bad. Right. You look at the SEC. Oh well, that doesn't help my case. Arkansas was eight and ten in conference. Yeah, it's just about getting hot. But they they look at all the teams that they played: Alabama, A and M, Kentucky, Missouri, Tennessee, Auburn, Vanderbilt. Like that's just brutal. All teams that are deep into a tournament. Yo, we, we we talk about this though. It's like so unfair that the SEC is getting good at basketball too. Like <laughs> yes. Alabama. It's like I thought they were going to you know stand their lane, stick to football, but now they're you know taking or they they are getting big at the second biggest college sport. And it's like you know leave some 
leave some trophies for the rest of us. Right? Yep. yep. Anyway, that that's why we love March Madness. That's why my bracket hates March Madness. Nobody oh, on it this year. No one ever, like midday on day one, I was just rooting for chaos. Oh yeah. I, I, I was already I, I, out. I was thinking about this. I think that that's one of the top ten days of the year. Oh, easily. We talk, we talk about easily. Christmas. That Thursday, Friday yeah. when you're in school. <laughs> yeah. Nothing better than just well, watching. I was, I was all at day. work and I was just still watching. Yeah. Best day of the year. Best day of the year when you are on the West Coast. Because oh, it yeah. tips off at 9 a.m. West Coast, Best Coast. Baby. West Coast, Best Coast. At least for sports viewing. Yeah. And for everything else. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, except for football these days because the Seahawks can't make a single damn thing happen. Uh, this is all a couple this signings. Is all, this is all part of a big plan to get to to swap that number five pick for like twenty fourth through six round picks. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be the trade of the century. <laughs> and, and, and th- you honestly, it's like a coin flip for that because that's what Pete Carroll loves to do. And we talked about this earlier. And you know, we'll get to the draft in, in just a second. We talked about Daniel Jones was a quarterback that got paid. Derek Carr. Another quarterback that got paid four years, $150 million. I don't think he's that guy. No. And I don't think the Saints have the guys to make him that guy. You're not that guy, pal. No, they You're don't. They have, they have Chris Olave. Good. Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas may never play again. <laughs> they have Alvin Kamara. But Alvin like... Kamara, who might be in jail in the next week. Oh, that's right. Well, I don't know if he did anything extra. I just feel like he's always doing something. Oh, okay. So, I, <laughs> like, you never know when he's going to be behind bars. I was thinking about that uh, Alabama guy. I was thinking about the Alabama football player or basketball player. Oh, Brandon Miller. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That too. <laughs> he was cleared. <laughs> yeah. he, was cleared. <laughs> he was cleared. He's safe. <laughs> He's safe every time. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't. I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't trust their head coach. I don't think they're deep at at, at multiple positions that you, that it takes to be successful. I think Derek Carr's like thirty one too. Yeah. So it's like he he's already past his prime. And Daniel his prime, Jones is twenty six. His prime was not that good to begin with. Right. No, I mean he never he never got the job done. I don't think. Who's who's the coach there? Do you know? No, that's why I said I didn't like their coach. <laughs> <laughs> no idea, and therefore I hate him. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Sean Payton, and they no, can but, only but win I, with I him. watched the games, and I'm like, I, I don't think this is conducive to a winning team. Yeah, fair. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Derek Carr changes. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, not led by Kevin James, playing Sean Payton, not a winning team. No. Not a winning team. Well, one guy did, they did get though was Jamal Williams, who was on a bit of a resurgence last year. It was very good. For Detroit now goes to Nola. He goes behind Alvin Kamara. What are your thoughts about that? I think having two running backs like that, and when you when you stack up on running backs, maybe not the best move. It's always great to have a quality third down running back, a quality backup court, uh, running back, but they don't have the luxury to do that when they have so many other spots to fill. Yeah, I mean, look at look at the the past four Super Bowl champions. They have done it with bottom ten rushing offenses. Oh, yeah. The past four. Like the Chiefs through like twelve weeks, I had no idea who their starter was. Yeah, exactly. And then they, they wind up with Isaiah <laughs> yeah. Pacheco, and he turns out to be a stud because he can catch a pass. Yeah, yeah. right. Like Jerick, like like Clyde Edwards Hilaire was number one for the first three weeks. I had him in fantasy, and and didn't then start him, and then I started him in the weeks later. When very smart. McKinnon and Pacheco. Yeah, very smart. Getting, hey, come on now! I made the final four. You, yeah, you didn't I was. Even make the playoffs. Man. I haven't made playoffs in fantasy football in eight years. So I reiterate the point, why are we listening to your football takes? 
Because I, you have to, you have to, you give me a microphone, I'm going to spout, okay? Anyway, Jamal Williams, great player, love that he's getting his money in kind of these resurgence years that he has, I think he's a great player, he's a very likable guy, but from the Saints perspective, does not have the luxury to get a backup running back right now. Yes. Let's Um, talk about some of the splash signings, Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay to New York Jets. Allegedly. I've, He's I've, intending to play for the Jets. It's if both teams can reach an agreement, which I think when when you have a quarterback that doesn't want to play and wants to go to a team that is searching for a quarterback, that's eventually going to happen. Yeah, it's only a matter of time. Yeah, um, I don't think he's you know that guy anymore. Obviously, great arm talent still, but we saw his last two years in Green Bay pretty subpar. We talk about the lack of weapons that he has. He'll go to New York and have weapons. Brees Hall will be back as well. Yeah, Brees Hall, Man. Garrett Wilson, they bring in uh, Alan Lazard, and then they've got a really good defense up and coming. Uh, C.J. Mosley, Sauce Gardner, yeah. like, they've got dudes. Yeah, so I think Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is not the QB that he was, but I think potentially putting players around him and having a defense that can actually make stops, this could be a dangerous New York Jets team. The battle for New York will be fierce between the be Jets, really the fun. Giants, and the Bills, who the Bills might be the worst out of those three. I agree. Totally. Like, Bills are heavily on the decline. And we can talk about this later, but we talk about, like, their offense is Stephon Diggs. We should, do a, we should do a deep dive on the Bills' offense, honestly. That would be That really is fun. a lot of prep I'm not prepared to do. Yeah, fair. <laughs> You've, you're the one with a job, so. <laughs> uh, but a defense that is getting better is Miami. Uh, question mark, obviously, is can Tua stay healthy? You're going to get those after three concussions in a year. Like, if he stays healthy, that is a top tier. That is like the top passing offense, and a defense who has proven that they can shut teams down. I mean, they, they were a very good team. They were getting a bunch of wins um, before he got hurt. He was slinging the ball everywhere to Jalen Waddle, to Tyreek Hill. They have a decent running back room. They have Monster back. They they're gonna have um, was it James White? Yes. Yep. James White. Damian Harris. No, not Damian Harris. They they they, they got the guy from uh from the Forty Niners. Um, it's not James White. James White was the he was the Patriots with Damian Harris. Yeah. Oh boy. Um. Anyway, great running back room, <laughs> and and then shout out Miles Gaskin as well. Oh All hell right. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Savon Ahmed. I don't know where he is. Yeah. Maybe, is he there too? Maybe maybe in China. I feel like no. I think he was with the Dolphins for a little bit. He was with the Dolphins. Anyway, I'll, go Husky I'll go Dolphins. Next Anyway, I think Jalen Ramsey, you're talking about probably the best corner in the game. Certainly a top three corner. I'm, you know, you, you can't argue that. Um, that's a quality signing because they only gave up like a third round pick for him as well. They just mm-hmm. got to make sure they keep him. Yep. I think Jalen Ramsey's going to love sunny Miami. Like he he goes he goes from uh, L. A. to Miami, so he clearly he can't has a, go he wrong. Has a type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think most free agents do honestly. Uh, and one one guy who did not have a chance of where he wanted to go or a choice is Darren Waller. <laughs> that that storyline is so funny. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's awesome. Kelsey Plum signs a long term extension with the Las Vegas Aces. His new wife. And then immediately gets traded to New York out of Las Vegas. That's hilarious. Hey, a decent contract, though. I think he's going to love his QB. I think his QB is going to love him even more. Finally going to have a receiver that doesn't drop passes. I think Giants have... Okay, that, that's so, what I'm afraid of. That, that That's what I was afraid of about our bet was getting Darren Waller. That was actually huge. Really? For, I think that was huge for you because they went healthy, a top five tight end. 
easily. Yeah. Yep. And then you, so you talk about Saquon, you hopefully. Daniel getting... Jones, Saquon Barkley, Darren Waller. That's Kenny like, Galladay. Uh, nope. But you have, I mean, in this past year, a top 10 quarterback. You have a, a top 10 running back. You have a top five tight end. You have to go, you're going to have to use your first round pick on a wide receiver because you don't have anyone there. Right. And you've got a defense that's really, really good. Yeah. And you got a really good head coach, too. And a pretty good offensive line, too. Yeah. One that's yep. getting a lot better, Andrew Thomas. Yep. He's growing into it. I will say, right now, I cannot name a single Giants receiver. You just did, Kenny Galladay. Oh, wait, no, he's, no, he's not, not even he's on the team. Anymore. He he's not there. No. He's not there anymore. Uh, yeah, no, I couldn't either, honestly. So we talked about some of the darling childs of the NFL, the Jets, Miami, maybe the Giants. I feel like a lot of people don't like the Giants. I, certainly I love them. I want to see them succeed. Let's talk about the most hated team in America, Dallas. Are yeah. they back? They get Brandon Cooks. They get Stephon Gilmore. They are top five in their positions when when healthy, when they're on. Um, there's rumors that they're going to get DeAndre Hopkins, too. What? Yeah. You serious? I, I It's a rumor. I thought the Chiefs were going to go get him. I heard Dallas. Oh, wow. I, I don't think it's going to happen. It, it, it was more so like a hypothetical. It's okay, like, fair it's enough. Like, what it's if like, he goes oh, there? think about if they did have yeah. him. Then they would be lethal. But, I mean, you have Gilmore and Diggs in your secondary. Oh, yeah. That's, that, that, that's, that's, that's unreal. That's awesome. That's unreal. And you have yeah, some really I mean, good weapons, too, with Cooks and C.D. Lamb. You potentially... You, you, know, you resign Tony Pollard. You get rid of Zeke. Yeah. That's huge for you the You do offense. lose Dalton Schultz, but I'm sure you can pick him up again. I think he's a pretty good tight end in, in, in that own Yeah, way. he's okay. But I think the issue with that is they still have Dak Prescott slinging the ball. Yes. And I think with we've talked about this before. I think with him slinging the ball, him making the calls there, I don't think that they will make it to the promised land. I completely agree. And, we've, and we've had this conversation. We, we about, both hate Dak. Yeah. He's terrible. I think we you know, we talked about this earlier. Take a CJ Stroud if you can. Well, Dallas can't. No, they no the the idea, like we talked about this before, I see. trade Dak, trade maybe your first round. I pick, see. I see. There. But that would that would be like the blockbuster trade of the century. Yes. Especially yes. if it works out. Yeah. I think uh, if you're looking ahead at Dallas's season, if you took the over for every single game, I would agree with you. If you took the under for every single game, I would agree with you. <laughs> it's yeah. it's got to be so hard for Vegas to set a line on this team because you have no idea what you're going to oh, yeah. get. Exactly. Absolutely yeah. no idea. Like either their defense shows up and they get stops or their offense is just putting up 49. Right, right, right. It's like one or the other. Yeah, those, those over-under lines are going to be insane. Absurd. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned C.J. Stroud. You think he's going number one to the Panthers who traded up? Yeah, well, let's, you know, not get ahead of, ahead of ourselves. What do you think about the trade? The Panthers came out of nowhere. I thought it was going to be for sure the, the Raiders. I thought I was so confident that it was going to be the Raiders. Mm-hmm. And it Turned out to be the Panthers got there first. Yep, I, I and they gave I love the up. Trade. They gave up so much for that. So clearly, they're big on one guy. Rumor has it, and this is a true rumor that their owner absolutely loves Will Levis. No way. Their own uh, that the rumor is that their owner absolutely loves Will Levis. People say. People it's say it's a rumor. Uh, I say I love the trade for the Bears. Oh, yeah, no. I kind of hate Bears, it for the Panthers. The Bears, please. <laughs> the Bears, oh, my gosh. They get DJ Moore uh, to help Justin Fields. Like, that's 
sexy. And like and like a whole bunch of picks. I want to say I want to say picks. seven picks. And that's well, they just... only moved down to what four or, or no, six? It's like, it's like nine. So, oh yeah, you're right. It is so nine, they're yeah. able in a, in a, in, a, in a draft which is huge on defensive line. You still beef up that run defense that has been that was the the worst run defense in the league last yes. year. Yes. So I think you're absolutely fine with that. Um, I love what the Bears are doing. And you add DJ Moore, who's just going to continue to accelerate Justin Fields' progression and confidence throughout the season. He doesn't need to be a running back anymore. Chase Claypool finally doesn't need to be wide receiver one. Yeah, right. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, but going back to the Panthers with that first overall now, and I've said this before, and I'll say this again, I'll say this until something proves me otherwise, I still think Bryce Young is QB1 off of that board. And I think you, you, he had that Heisman year where obviously he was the best player in the country. We saw last year where the players around him weren't good. He only had a running back that was elite in that offense, was still able to make fantastic plays. I think last year was a better season than his Heisman year when you look at the tape. Um, Listen, if he was 6'5", I think everyone would be high on him. I think you know it's because he's shorter that people are doubting him, but it's not like we're seeing Steph Curry for the first time. We've seen this before. We've seen it with Russell Wilson. We've seen it with Drew Brees. I don't think height is an issue anymore, especially when you compete that well at the college level. But weight is. He's built like Devontae Smith. I'm okay with that. Devontae. Can he, can he sling the ball? Pretty well. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think he makes it. You like C.J. Stroud, don't you? I love C.J. Stroud. He's built. He's built. like He translates a lot better in my eyes. So um, I've got C.J. Stroud in a heartbeat. All right, no well, question. so we are in agreement that Will Levis should <laughs> yes, be number one. Yes, of course. And Anthony Richardson goes fifth round. That's a topic for another time, but I think we're going to have some spicy takes on that. Hey, we'll have Stay plenty more to get that. to there. All right, that's Ryan Eldridge. I'm Tyler Lundquist. We'll see you next time. For real. Oh, really? That's how you feel. And the guys are like asking all them questions. Asking all them questions, why you asking all them questions, making statements. Uh,